0: to the Rebuild SoCal Zone. I'm John Swetolsky, your host for today's episode. Our guest for this week is Senator Bob Hertzberg, former California State Assembly Speaker, current Senate Majority Leader, and Senator Hertzberg is currently running for LA County Supervisor in District 3, which covers most of the San Fernando Valley and the west side of LA. Senator, welcome to the podcast. It's really a pleasure to have you here.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Care deeply about these issues.
0: Yeah, well, let's dig in right away. But first, I want to just start with, you know, you have a long track record of an effective policymaker. You've served in the Senate. Why do you now want to serve as a leader at L.A. County government? What's your vision? What do you see as the needs and what do you want to step into on day one? Well, unlike
1: city government, the relationship between county government and state government is instrumental. The counties, the 58 counties of California, are places where the state, you know, each of these counties are subdivisions of the state of California. And it's where we implement, it's where we pass policies and they're supposed to do the work. You know, it's that simple mm-hmm. and they're implementers. And I have just, uh, as, as I've worked so many issues for so many years, all across the spectrum, well, we can talk about that today, but I'm just so frustrated that a lot of the issues that, uh, whether it's homelessness, it's crime, whether it's water systems and all the various things we're talking about aren't just happening in the county. And my goal at the state level is to make them happen. And since they're not happening, I'm coming to the county level to implement it, and make sure it does happen.
0: All right. Well, I mean, that's a really logical progression in your public service, you know, creating the laws and then working to implement them. But LA County faces a number of challenges. I mean, of course, everyone's familiar with maybe the largest, most intractable challenge of homelessness. But, you know, housing is also a, a big issue. And these issues are pervasive throughout issues that my organization works on, which is infrastructure. And, and housing could even be considered a sort of infrastructure, something that's needed for the public good. But for this conversation, I really want to focus on transportation and water. And you know, first, transportation um, links all of us. It's the backbone of our economy. it's the backbone of how we interact with our family and friends. and LA County's uh, Metropolitan Transit Authority, or Metro, has a huge footprint and a huge budget in our county and for your constituent senator. How do you view? Um, Your engagement with Metro, what would you like to see Metro doing differently or perhaps even more effectively?
1: Well, I think one of the great issues at Metro uh, has been management or lack thereof of management. You know, let let me just give you an example of what I mean. So in the San Fernando Valley, we're grappling with this issue of the Sepulveda Pass, what to build, Mm -hmm. how to build it, what to do. Right, And at the end of the day, our objective is to build it as quickly as possible, as inexpensively as possible, that gives people the fastest ride across the hill for the least amount of money and in the safest manner. That's our objective. But for example, they put together, we just heard this some weeks ago, various plans, alternative plans, where they don't connect the money, how much money we have to what the alternatives are. We've got $7 billion and they're giving us alternatives that are going to cost us $28 billion dollars. I mean, utter waste of time. Somebody's got to get that under control and basically say, here are the guidelines, here's what we want to do, because you know, who wants a bunch of plans? We want to build this and get it working for folks and get it taken care of. And these kinds of examples happen all across the system. In Sacramento, we passed a plan 28 for 28. We wanted 28 projects done by 28 for the Olympics. And I'm concerned that we're not going to get it done in time. The Crenshaw Line, they did a press conference saying, oh, we're going to start construction in 2020. Now it's 2037 you know, this stuff's got to happen now. People are frustrated. The money's there, which we can use these new financing tools that Mayor Villaraigosa used to make things happen. And so I want this construction to start. I want it to be done properly. But clearly, you know, there's a disconnect in the management structure. And I think it's the obligation of the elected officials who have management experience to basically make sure that happens. Because right now everybody's working in silos and it's taken forever to get anything done. And that's not
0: right. Yeah, we appreciate that sentiment, certainly. We're advocating daily to get projects built quicker, faster, more efficiently. And I wonder, if is it just management structure as you see it, or are there really some some structural problems too, perhaps environmental review, other permitting processes that can be streamlined as well? Absolutely.
1: You know, I want to start out with, you know, what are we trying to build? How much money do we have to do it? Then once you do that, then you want to streamline the processes to get stuff done. You want to streamline the environmental processes and not just let all these roadblocks screw stuff up so we can get things taken care of as quickly as possible and get riders on there
0: and get people to work. Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Senator, I do want to just wade into this issue of transit and roads and how we divide up resources, how we prioritize resources. There are some advocates that would say, don't put a single penny into enhancing a road or building out the capacity of a road or investing in any other roads or highways. Metro's plan, I think, strikes a decent balance, which is, you know, we need to plow money into transit, certainly, you know, especially in in the San Fernando Valley, which, uh, you know, in my view, needs a a ton more investment. But there are those who want all the money into transit. And I'm wondering how you would view that balance. How would you prioritize transit versus roads and i don't mean to set that up as just a, a binary no, you know yeah. it's complicated yeah. but i'd love to hear your
1: thoughts. yeah i'm not one who says all dollars in transit because this is not new york city this is not the east coast if you take a look at a map of just the city of los angeles okay which i have right above me right here in my office it is a city of 284 annexations i am a student of california history of los angeles history I've got probably 300 books looking right at me right now in my little office here in the back of my house dealing with these subject matters. L.A. County is a place of 88 cities, 86 school districts, over 500 subdivisions of government. It is not like East Coast cities. It is not like European cities. Do we want these arteries there? Do we need them to be taken care of? Yes. Are we spending hundreds of billions of dollars to do so? Yes. But uh, I'm not someone who tells you that you should just stop because here we are, we want to spend all these billions of dollars in charging stations and all the electrical infrastructure that we have to build, and a lot of it, uh, to be able to deal with electric vehicles. Well, then now you're going to have no roads for electric vehicles and everybody's going to sit in an electric bus. I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. You've got to be pragmatic and practical about this. That's my view.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's our view as well. and We appreciate hearing that, you know, um, a one-size-fits-all you know, ideological solution, and you as a legislator know this better than anyone, never really pragmatically hits the ground well. I mean, everything needs nuance, everything needs practicality and, and some level of balance. So we appreciate that. Senator, if I could just careen into housing, which we just briefly mentioned at, at the outset here you know, housing is the root of everything here, all public policy in California. It touches transit. It touches, of course, homelessness. It touches planning. Can you talk a little bit about housing and how you see it, particularly to your district? But I think your impact will can potentially be much bigger than just District 3. And so I'm wondering how you see housing as you sit here in your campaign today.
1: Well, housing is sliced and diced into 20 different issues, right? There's people that have the covenants, have low-income housing, and they don't want to lose their houses. There's issues of people that are on the street. What do you do with them in the meantime? What do you do with tiny homes? What do you do with permanent housing? What do you do with affordable housing? I've been focusing over the last year and a half, two years, with the building trades, with the former uh, director of finance of California, with the former chief economist of California, with a number of other groups and lawyers, to try to put together a very elegant solution for Middle class home ownership housing. I think we've got to increase supply. All these programs that just allows you to down payment assistance or some other types of ways to buy your grandma's house, to me that doesn't work. I want to focus on supply, 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 number one. Number two is I want to focus on ownership, ownership, ownership. Now, that doesn't solve everybody's problem, but for the person who might make enough money to be able to pay a couple thousand, three thousand dollars a month on a mortgage, and somebody who has a job. Under this plan, we'll give them $150,000 down payment because with all the bills you got to pay, no one has enough money to save for a down payment. So we'll give you a down payment. You got to put 1% down. So let's assume you buy a condo. It has to be ownership. It has to be new construction and it has to be union built, right? We're not looking at quality construction. And so now it's one of these union built new construction homes. Now all of a sudden you increase supply hundreds of thousands of new homes and you give a loan from this fund. It's not tax dollar money, it's investor dollars. When you sell the house after 15 years, you gotta pay it off. If you sell the house before, you gotta pay it off. If you refinance the house, you gotta pay it off. And there's a little bit of interest that has to be paid to the investors. But the key is folks who need a new home can't save $150,000. And this is a way to get them into a new home and only for new construction. And then when you have more new construction, you increase the supply and you reduce costs. And the other thing that's so beautiful, not only is it beautiful to own your own home, not is it beautiful to gain economic to gain wealth because most people get wealth from their home. But the other beautiful thing is at the end of ten years, not only do you own the house, not only do you have a lot of equity, the cost of your mortgage payments the same as it was on day one. If you're an apartment owner, the cost of your rent is probably more than triple of what it was on day one. So you know, it's just good at every level, and it's good in terms of getting people to work and jobs and new housing. So that's one of the many things I think about, and that's a program that we have spent well over a year and a half, raised a half a million dollars to be able to fund all the research and get this done. And we didn't get it to the legislature because some politics that was screwing me up, but I'm going to put it on the ballot in 2024.
0: Yeah, you call it elegant. I agree. and It's fascinating and innovative. I mean, outside of just the you know inner legislative politics, what are the external challenges to getting something like that implemented, moving, passed at the ballot? Uh, you no, know, passing the ballot's easy, quite frankly.
1: Passing the ballot is incredible because we've done polling on this in a couple of polls, and it, and people want home ownership. They get home ownership. The challenge is dealing with local governments and, and dealing with all the various uh, red tape that you've got to get through. And you've got to make a deal with the developer. No developer is going to build a new property and lose money. they got to make money. So there's four costs associated with building a place. One is your land cost. Maybe we can use government land for this to reduce that. Two is labor costs. We're gonna pay people, you know, their decent wages. Three is the cost of materials. And four is the cost of delay and the cost of financing. And if we can reduce that delay and reduce the cost of financing, because we're gonna use government borrowing to reduce that costs because interest rates are less, all of a sudden there's headroom for labor and there's headroom to be able to make a profit for developers. And that's the concept.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Appreciate the thoughtfulness on it. You know. That's one solution of many that we need to solve our housing crisis here, and it is innovative and really appreciate the leadership on that. Senator, if I could just move along to water policy. I know you've thought a lot about this. This is also an issue that connects to housing and connects to many other policy areas. I'd like to first start off with Because you're running for supervisor Measure W, as our listeners may know, uh, Measure W was passed in 2018 as a parcel tax. Uh, It is now called the Safe and Clean Water Program managed by L.A. County Public Works. As you would potentially have oversight and oversee the implementation of Measure W, what are you happy with as you look at it? And what would you like to improve with the implementation of this stormwater measure?
1: I didn't like Measure W when it came out, and I tried to uh, interject myself at the county, and they just would not have it. And I was chairman of the Water Committee at the time, Natural Resources and Water. And the reason I didn't like it was this. There is no question we should clean up the water that comes out of the stormwater system, 100%. But the idea of just letting it run into the ocean, to me, was dumber than a box of rocks. Why don't we capture that water, build the infrastructure, and recharge the groundwater with the water that's cleaned up to federal standards and the earth as it trickles down continues to clean it up okay so we spent extra 10 billion bucks who cares but now we're capturing this water supply and quite frankly water sells between 1100 and 1200 an acre foot an acre foot is an acre in size one foot deep and that's a lot of money well, if you capture that water you can create a revenue stream to build the infrastructure to pay for that water and it's the same thing i want to do with the la city We're doing a small project for the county now, but three million gallons of water get cleaned up to federal standards and go out a pipe three miles off the coast, into the ocean. I introduced a bill a few years ago that made it illegal to put water in the ocean. Not that I was gonna get it passed. I call it a diarrhea bill. I just wanted to gather everybody's attention, (laughs) you know, because it's ridiculous. We should build the infrastructure to capture all that water. If you go to my office, you'll see above my door, it says the William Mullins room on my door, is a big map of LA County. On that map is everywhere and how many million gallons a day that we can put into the ground through recharging the groundwater in those particular areas where the basin has been cleaned up. It's unbelievable. There shouldn't be a drop of that water we shouldn't capture, particularly with the challenges we're facing on drought and all the other systems. And just, I know it's not directly relevant, but I'm in Malibu and I'm meeting with the mayor. And he tells me they've had a system to build out their whole new pipes and all their water systems in Malibu but that the current county's powers that be won't approve it. Are you kidding me? I don't know what their theory is, but I'm approving that stuff. I just met with Las Virgenes in terms of stuff that they need. You know, I focus on this. I care deeply about it. I think infrastructure is the foundation of so much of what we need to be successful in our economy. Not just the jobs that it creates that are high-wage jobs, but also all of the other elements to make our society
0: function well. So I'm a huge infrastructure person. Well, we need more advocates like you, and we appreciate that sentiment as well. Uh, Senator Rebuild SoCal Partnership has b- been very bullish on recycled water, investing in that infrastructure. And you know, we supported Metropolitan Water District's uh, state budget request to jumpstart their plans to build out a facility in Carson. You know, down the line, we will certainly support added capacity to Hyperion. I feel that recycled water has um, so many benefits. You just detailed what those benefits are, capturing, monetizing, and providing use to that instead of just putting it into the well, basket.
1: Can I add something else? Look, I, I've been doing yeah. water in college. I, I wrote my dissertation on water. I did $7 billion with the bond issues and Jesson en was treasurer as the vice chair of the District Securities Commission, the treasurer's office, and been deeply involved. And let me tell you, um, water policy is a place where we're all connected. The environmental community says, don't waste water. We want half of it. They're not wrong. Then you've got the farmers who are growing crops for all across the country and internationally. They're not wrong. Then you've got the people in Northern California that say, don't steal our water. Then you've got the other states where now Colorado's upset. Las Vegas has grown dramatically. Phoenix has grown dramatically. And we've been overdrafting our water allocations for the river, a Colorado River. And now those things are down dramatically. So we have to be smart. And the fact that we recycle, it's so important because now it helps us in our politics. As Speaker of the House, I had to get votes from every corner of the state on issues, you know, and everybody beats us up and says, oh, my God, you're wasting water. You go to Imperial County. They call us the Coastals and we're spending money on swimming pools and golf courses. And so I just suggest that not only is it intelligent from a infrastructure space, not only is it intelligent from an environmental space, but it's intelligent in terms of tamping down some of the political pressure that exists in causes as you're trying to get things done around the state.
0: Yeah, we appreciate that. We have you know, been telling everyone who can listen that we can't conserve our way out of a never-ending drought that's gonna increase its severity exponentially because of, of climate change, that we must invest in infrastructure. How do you see the balance between investment and conservation?
1: I don't see a balance between the two. I want to put uh, jet fuel on the construction <laughs> infrastructure. Great because I, I think that you don't have to worry about the other. Look, I wrote some of the conservation bills on the water piece. There's no question. If we just don't have much water, we have to conserve. But my suggestion is at 500,000 acre feet a year coming off that pipe at Hyperion totally changes the game, right? Totally changes the game. That's mm-hmm. why recycled water is just an absolute must. Yeah,
0: I appreciate that. So, Senator, we have, traversed a number of topics here, and we've done so really efficiently. And I appreciate your, your thoughtful answers on this host of topics. And I just want to give you the opportunity to share with our listeners, what are the central tenets of your campaign? Why are you running for LA County supervisor?
1: Well, I'll tell you the difference. You know, look, I'm not running against Barack Obama. Or I'm not running against Winston Churchill. Any campaign when it's down to two people is person A or person B. And in my situation, you know, I've worked at every corner of the state. My opponent worked in a city that's substantially the same politics. They're all of the same party. And it's 1.9 square miles. You know, my opponent talks about fixing homelessness in their community. There's 38 people. We got to 69,000 in L.A. and I think that's way under counted. It's probably 80,000, you know. Look, I am not running for nothing. I am doing this job out of service and duty. I've got judgment, I've got wisdom, I got scars, and I'm willing to make the tough decisions. I have a big set of relationships that I can lean on to get stuff done. And the reason I decided not to leave government service, even though I wanted to for a number of reasons, was out of duty. Democracies don't survive, you know, when when people just cut and run. You know, I've had people in my house protesting. I've had people telling me they're gonna cut my head off. And it just inspires me more to get stuff done. We've got to do it. And I'm telling you, I would not have been nearly as prepared 20 years ago as I am now. But I'm prepared in terms of knowing what I'm doing and having judgment and wisdom. And what bothers me in politics, and I've seen it everywhere all the years I've been around, mostly as an outsider, is the ambition. You know, political consultants and pollsters tell you what to say and you know what to say and you say the right words and you say it because you're a good actor or whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, people are pissed off because stuff's not getting done. Well, that's not me. Now, you know, people can say, oh, you've been in government, how come these problems have been solved? Well, I solved a zillion problems. We built the 10th campus at the UC. We built $70 billion worth of new schools when the schools were dilapidated. We built performing arts centers, and we fixed so much in the criminal justice reform that was problematic. You know, we've been spending $54 billion on climate change. And, And, you know, politics is a funny, thing, because what did you do for me lately? Well, you, you know, and, and that's just the nature of the beast, but I'm, I'm full of scars. I'm full of judgment. I'm full of wisdom. I'm full of relationships that are based upon trust. And I'm not going to just give you platitudes. I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to put every bit of guts I got to get this done. And I hopefully don't have to stay in the job very long because I, I will have fixed what I need to fix and set the tone up. And Let me tell you one other thing I'll share with you that I think is really important for for the listeners that care as policy wonkers when i was 42 years old and came into the assembly and subsequently shortly thereafter became speaker i built the capital institute to train staff and to train members all of us need to learn and grow and you can't just be a chief of staff with understanding the budget works and how the committees work and the like even though i'm leaving government now i'm still working on putting together a senate academy to train new members of how to be senators critically important And if I'm fortunate enough to get elected, I want to do the same thing on a bipartisan basis. I don't give you a Democrat or Republican. It matters not. I want you to be trained. So I'm going to raise a bunch of money from not-for-profits. I hope that they'll be responsive. And anybody who wants to run for office, you know, we're running for school board, water board, running for city council. I don't care. Democrat, Republican. To try to train them as to how things work. Where does the sales tax go? You ask most people, they don't know. Uh, where does the property tax go? What happens to it? Where does it come from? And how, what's the breakdown of it? How does tier one, tier two, tier, tier three work in the education system? And and what can you do to make that work? So all I'm suggesting is, and I want to do that because I think in addition to working on all these larger important issues, to me, my legacy, I want it to be about training the next generation, making them better, making them better. And And I just share that with your listeners, whoever has the patience to listen to this long conversation to give you some sense about who I am and what I'm about and why I'm seeking public service. Well,
0: we appreciate your public service. Uh, We appreciate you joining us here today, sharing with our audience your thoughtfulness and what motivates you and where you come down on the issues that are important to us. So Senator, we thank you for your time and we wish you the best of luck in November. Well, thank you so very
1: much. I really appreciate it. And uh,
0: you know, I'm giving everything I got, so that's as good as it gets. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode, folks. Thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Take care.